Welcome to Thriller Premium. Welcome to Thriller Premium. Gathering all the information you would need to stay ahead of the curve on your crypto investments. Welcome to Thriller Rundown. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from around the world. Gather around, it's time for another exciting episode of Thriller Rundown. Today is February 10th, 2021, and we are talking MasterCard supporting crypto, not Bitcoin. Can you believe that? I can't, and I'm pretty shocked about it, quite frankly. But we're going to talk all about it here at the top of the rundown. Let's do it. The Rundown. So let's catch you up to speed on what happened today. Well, MasterCard released a press release saying the following, that whatever your opinions on cryptocurrencies are, from a dyed-in-wool fanatic to an utter skeptic, the fact remains that these digital assets are becoming a more important part of the payments world. We are seeing this fact play out on the MasterCard network with people using cards to buy crypto assets especially during Bitcoin's recent surge in value. We are also seeing users increasingly take advantage of crypto cards to access these assets and convert them to traditional currencies for spending. <laughs> so yeah, they actually did a, uh, I guess I guess they acquired Level or they partnered with Level, which is pretty cool. That's a kind of quote unquote bank slash exchange. I think uh, Willy Woo is like partnered with them but they're trying to um, do this whole subscription trading thing. They're working with Wirex and BitPay to create crypto cards, right? But what's interesting about what MasterCard did today is they basically told everybody that they're gonna let merchants accept payments in crypto this year, but they're not gonna be accepting Bitcoin. And that left a lot of people wondering, now why is that? Well, well Coindesk went ahead and, and did the extra work and, and asked, but this is what they said. According to a source familiar with the matter, the functionality will see MasterCard's customers' digital currency payments settled in crypto at participating merchants, a first for the financial giant. The company has not yet disclosed which digital currencies it intends to support or where. The announcement makes clear that MasterCard is interested in integrating stablecoins rather than assets like Bitcoin. Yeah. So to me, it's kind of like... What are you doing, MasterCard? But and then I started thinking about it, ladies and gentlemen, right? I started thinking about it. Well, well, why would they do that? And then that led me to five good minutes. This is what we're going to talk about in five good minutes, because I really think what's going on here is there's kind of a move that's happening, right? And we kind of saw it in Davos, right, where they started talking about stable coins, Right. And then we have, of course, the whole money printing going on with the Federal Reserve right now. Right. Inflation. Right. Money printer go burr. <laughs> we love that meme. Right. And we see more and more corporations buying up Bitcoin. Right. And, and we know Ethereum is skyrocketing and, and we know central banks are, are 
building on top of Ethereum. We know DeFi is going through the roof and we know DeFi is going to be a thing in the future. But where is it all leading to? I, I want to talk more about that here in five good minutes. But I think this is the first part. I think what Visa and MasterCard are trying to do, because we got news last week about Visa also dipping their toes into cryptocurrency and starting to accept payments as well, too. But this is just the first part. I, I, I don't I don't necessarily think this is the end all be all. I don't even necessarily think they have to accept Bitcoin. I think at some point in their near future, it's going to be inevitable that people accept Bitcoin. And I'll explain the reasons why in five good minutes. Another piece of news that came out today as well, too, is Amazon is preparing to launch a digital currency project in Mexico. <laughs> and uh, and this is reported from Coindesk. As you know, last year, I reported um, via a friend that I have working at Amazon saying that they're getting involved with uh, with Bitcoin. Uh, this was reported last year from us. Uh, I think it was around November-ish, I think it was. Um, so it's not a surprise we're seeing this come out from Amazon here in February. We're always early on things here on, on, on Thriller Premium, right? That's what we do here. Uh, Car gets the good stuff <laughs> before everybody. Um, I don't think this is what he was talking about. I think this is something separate. And I think the Bitcoin thing is a much bigger um, but, uh, as soon as I get more information on that, I'm definitely going to spill it here for sure. Um, but yeah, th that's what I'm saying. This whole digital payment system, everybody's gunning for it. And let's start talking about it here in five good minutes. So I'm going to try to fit all this in, in, in five good minutes. It's a, it's a lot to go, but I want you guys to follow with me here. I, I probably will have to turn this into a Thriller Insider at some point just to kind of flesh it out. But uh, um, but yeah. So as you know, DeFi is taking off, right? Um, it, it's, it's no longer a secret that uh, the underlying fundamentals are showing that that DeFi is going to be um, a real thing, ladies and gentlemen. I, I know for a lot of you, myself included, you don't want to believe that because you're a Bitcoiner. I get it. I'm a Bitcoiner too. But I, I do realize that traditional assets are going to be moved over into DeFi, right? Um, of course, a lot of this is is getting is 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 stopping right now because of Ethereum and its gas fees. And I know that's a big problem. One of the good things about this is we have Polkadot and we have Cardano are coming right now. And, and, and a lot of what they do, not, not as decentralized as Ethereum, of course, not even close to both of all three of those, not even as close as being decentralized as Bitcoin. But what this does is this gives, you know, a, a smart contracting platform that runs on at much faster speeds. Right. And DeFi is, is going to be here to stay. It's not going to be a fad. There's just too much. There's just too much revenue. There's too much growth already at this point. So no matter no matter what happens, as far as maybe these 
these protocols get moved over or swapped or, or even shared amongst those three or whatever happens, it's the, they're going to expand in multiples four or five X across the board from here. Right. So there's going to be even more liquidity. These valuations are going to continue to go up and it's going to become even more useful and less expensive over time. This is just going to be a more re reflexive amongst the, these, these bull cycles. And it's just going to be a positive reinforcement. We're going to continue to see, so trust me when I say this, DeFi is here to stay. It's not going to go away. It's not like the ICO, right? Um, another thing we have to realize too is Ethereum futures is a real thing now, right? Uh, Chicago Mercantile Exchange added them on there. This is just another step in institutionalizing this asset, right? Ethereum, just like the way Bitcoin was institutionalized as well too in 2017. It's the same thing. This makes Ethereum, you know, a real thing, uh, whether we like it or not. It's just, it, it just is, right? So it's here to stay. Another thing we have to realize is that central banks are going to be utilizing these stable coins and they're going to be transacting on these centralized uh, blockchains. And they're going to, they're going to be coming across uh, uh, the Ethereum blockchain as well too, right? So they're going to go in and out of these, you know, centralized blockchains into the Ethereum blockchain and then back across. So this is this is the way money is going to transmit across borders, across the world. It's going to utilize these open blockchains, right? And hopefully that's Cardano. Hopefully that's Polkadot. Hopefully that's Ethereum. Hopefully it's done relatively, really cheaply. But this is going to be a thing. This is ramping up. And this is why Visa and MasterCard are all getting on board right now for these stable coins. What was introduced today was um, European Central Bank's president, Christine Lagarde. She again made her stance and she made it really crystal clear today. She said, it's very unlikely that central banks will hold Bitcoin. And that scared the shit out of me. She has been known in the past, and I'm not throwing a conspiracy theory here, but she has been known in the past to say one thing and do the complete opposite. When she said that uh, it is very unlikely that uh, central banks will hold Bitcoin. <laughs> that scared the shit out of me because now I have a feeling that they're going to start buying Bitcoin. <laughs> yes, it, it, it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> it really did. I never once thought for a second that these central banks were going to start buying Bitcoin, right? I, I just never thought it was in them to do that because I was hoping uh, Bitcoin was going to kill them. <laughs> At least that was right. I think that's what we were all hoping for. Um, I guess they 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 uh, they got smart um, and they woke up. Um, but she came out and said it is very unlikely central banks will hold Bitcoin. I don't believe that for a second. I really don't, and I'll tell you why. If if these central banks are investing so much on on the Ethereum platform. They have to, I'm not the smartest, trust me, trust me, everyone. I'm not the smartest person. I'm just not. But if I can connect the dots and I can see how they're going to be using Ethereum as a, as a digital money printer, uh, like, like it is. And it's funny because people in the DeFi space, I think I saw an article about MetaMask today and they were talking about how uh, DeFi is, is basically like the Fed and it's starting to spread. You know how last year I was talking about how Ethereum is and DeFi space is just, it's just a money printer, right? You know, and how they're, they're basically like the Fed. They're just creating money out of thin air over there. 
uh, in DeFi and, and no one's checking any of this, right? Um, throwing it on Uniswap and, and doing all its thing. And, and yeah, it, it's it's fun and games right now, right? But at some point, regulation is going to come down. And I think at some point, regulation will come down for that. Um, and I think, and, and, I, and, I, and I, I really do think that these central banks are going to want to hold Bitcoin because they recognize this is the hardest asset, the hardest digital asset at that, right? And when you have a, a you know, for lack of a better word, a shitcoin casino running on the Ethereum blockchain, you're going to want to move over to the hardest digital asset that's out there. And that one is Bitcoin. So to me, there's a finite amount of Bitcoin. There's a finite amount of Satoshis. They're going to, they're going to want to make sure that they hold that bag as well, too. So when she came out and said that today it is very unlikely central banks will hold Bitcoin. I said, bullshit. <laughs> If, if they're in there, if they're invested so much in these stable coins, they have to recognize the fact that they're going to they're going to need Bitcoin to allocate a lot of that. Right. To have something backing it, um, because fiat is only going to last so long, especially with all these cash reserves. Right. Even Tether, even Tether, you know, for the amount of FUD that's out there about it has to have some Bitcoin back in it somewhere right we hope <laughs> i mean we'll see but that i mean that's five good minutes on it I, I might have to do a whole thriller insider with just like proof and facts let's get into the code of our truth the hot truth So today in the hard truth, we are talking the aftermath of Tesla buying 1.5 billion of Bitcoin. And, and the reason I'm bringing this up is, uh, is quite frankly, there was so much just goodness on that first day, right? Everybody was super excited that Tesla bought 1.5 billion in Bitcoin. I was ecstatic. Uh, I, I just, we knew it was coming. But I, I, it was just still amazing, right? Um, it, it's not. It wasn't until like 48 hours later that I really realized the impact of it all, and even now I'm still kind of really realizing the impact of it all. Um, and um, everybody had an opinion on it. Um, the CEO of Grayscale went on CNBC and talked about it. Take a listen to what he said. Okay, so when the corporates call you, I imagine there's there's a conversation. There's got to be a conversation about value, about where it is now, what the volatility is going to look like, how it's going to be accounted for. Right there, there's a, there's actually if you're a publicly traded company, accounting for this becomes an issue, uh, especially if there's going to be volatility. Just help help us with those conversations. Sure. Conversation point number one starts around regulatory concerns, and actually most of those conversations are characterized by a lack of regulatory concerns. A lot of the folks making decisions around this realize how much regulatory clarity has been provided around this. 
I think the second piece of the conversation is around sizing and timing. And so you're seeing corporations think about anywhere from on the low end, maybe 25 basis points to on the higher end, maybe 100, 200 basis points over time. And they recognize that they don't need to get invested all at once. They've seen other corporations like MicroStrategy leg into this trade over time, and they ultimately believe in the growth of this. So buying Bitcoin, whether it's here, 10% higher, 10% lower, ultimately is not going to matter if they believe that Bitcoin is going to do or have the type of growth that they think it is going to have over time. And I think the last piece of it has to do with portfolio construction. Where does this fit on their balance sheet? Are they selling treasuries to make room for this? Are they right. you know, taking cash out um, in order to buy Bitcoin? Where is this going to fit in their balance sheet? And I think that becomes probably the biggest challenge for most investors. And, and that's, that is a critical issue. Companies say, should we be buying back our own stock or should we be buying Bitcoin? I mean, that, that is going to become one of the, the alternative trades, if you will. Um, In fact, can you just- I would actually be, I actually wouldn't be surprised to see there almost being somewhat of a race now. You have Elon Musk, you have Michael Saylor, you have Jack Dorsey. You're going to see a lot of other visionary leaders and disruptive companies actually realizing that it's really moved from why to why not and see which companies are next to get involved in having Bitcoin as part of their treasury program. Real quick, from a technical perspective, given that we're at forty six thousand five hundred forty dollars right now, um, it wouldn't be, shock me, by the way, if this thing breaks fifty thousand, um, given the rapidity of where things are. Give me an upside and downside uh, for where we are right now in, in relatively short order, if you could. Well, you certainly know that I can't make price predictions, but if flows are any indication of investor interest, on the heels of a record-breaking 2020, very pleased to say and encourage that that momentum is not only continuing this year, but is actually accelerating. So we're seeing very, very sustained and growing demand uh, from a lot of institutional players at the moment. He can't make price predictions, right? Michael can't make price predictions, right? But I can. It's going to be 55K by the other weekend. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, CNBC. Um, <laughs> and then we, they also had the, uh, Twitter CEO, uh, or I'm sorry, CFO, uh, go on squawk box. Where did they get these names from? And, uh, actually talk about Bitcoin and what they're thinking about doing now that Elon Musk did it. And, and that's, that's what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, this is what, this is what Elon caused, Right. And, and then you also have all these doge people, right? So I have so many people coming up to me now telling me about doge, asking me about doge. Uh, it's getting really annoying. Uh, I ordered DoorDash this evening for, for dinner. Uh, I have my DoorDasher uh, text me to invest in doge. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so if... if like and and this is it's because Elon is is telling people to buy Doge, right? So this is the influence he has on people, um, you know, because he co-signed it, and he co-signed Bitcoin as well too, via Tesla, and and uh, that's something that regular people don't know about, right? Because I I, I asked them, I asked these regular people, did you know 
that Tesla bought $1.5 billion of Bitcoin and they don't know anything about that, right? Because that's not what, what Elon, he didn't tweet about that. So that's what I'm trying to say is what, what, what people see and what people watch, what people do are two different things. But what's really interesting is there's a guy on CNBC. He kind of looks like Shrek and he got very upset that Tesla bought Bitcoin. Take a listen to what he said. Yeah, if you think that the U.S. Treasury and the U.S. government is going to let this thing get out of hand where literally corporates are starting to replace what can dollars they do? to what a can large... What they do at this point? They can regulate the hell out of it is what they can do. And, and we've already seen that. I mean, we've seen it to some extent. I'm just telling you. I mean, they're going to let the dollar fall away from being the reserve currency for the world. So right now we are in a, a bit of a euphoric state. I mean, when you think about what are we talking about here? We're talking about Tesla and we're talking about Bitcoin. These are two risk assets that have gained more than a trillion dollars combined in like the last six months. And it's all based on hopium. And I don't mean to hate on all of this. All these people who are making a ton of money on both of these things just understand that there's got to be some sort of gravity that takes hold at some point. And the two of them combined make for, I think, a really difficult situation if they both start going down together. And the ripple effects that we will see across currency markets, financial markets and the such could be really great. No one is talking about it right now. There are no more naysayers in Bitcoin. So I would just say to you, have at it at 45,000 because you've taken Taking out everybody who thinks it's a scam. Yeah, it is approaching 45,000 uh, as we speak. No, the thing he doesn't understand is that's the exit door, buddy. Bitcoin is the exit door. And people are realizing that. And people are making sure they grab some on the way out of this United States dollar. That's the problem, right? Um, and e- even, if, even if it doesn't lead to the bottom of the staircase... At least they have, you know, a way out. <laughs> You're going to be still waiting for that elevator. <laughs> and let's hope the building doesn't go down before then. Um, and, and that's and that's exactly what these people who haven't looked at Bitcoin closely. Right. And, and, and believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, when I talk to people about why they're investing in Doge, it's because they want to make more fiat currency. Right. They don't understand. And, and, and rightly so. I was the same way back when I used to really, really, really hardcore, you know, and uh, in, in, in try to flip altcoins. Right. Um, to this day, I still do it now. Not 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 as not as not as much as I used to. And I honestly I really do it for y'all. <laughs> really, to be honest, to be quite 100 percent honest, I really do it for y'all. I really try to find those alts for y'all. Um, and, and that's why I do it. But uh, if I'm being truly transparent, I really do it for y'all because I know that y'all want those type of coins. Um, and I'm, I'm right. <laughs> so it's not like I'm ever wrong about those, but, um, in, in reality, um, there, there really only is one currency that really matters and, and it's Bitcoin. And the, look, I, I urge all of y'all, if you haven't, take closer and closer looks at it and you really start to see that at the end of the day, it's going to come down to Satoshis, right? And how many Satoshis you can buy for a dollar. And right now you can literally buy like 2,600 or something like that for a dollar. And, you know, 
six, 12 months ago, it was like 6,000 or 7,000 Satoshis for a dollar. And maybe six months from now, it'll probably be like 800 Satoshis for a dollar or 600 Satoshis for a dollar. So the days coming where it's probably going to be like 50 Satoshis for a dollar, right? And, and that's going to be a scary time. That's what I'm trying to say. I think people need to stop thinking about how much it costs for a Bitcoin and start thinking about how much it costs for a, for a Satoshi. And right now it's 2,600 Satoshis for a dollar. So, yeah. And I think Jim Cramer probably had the best line that I heard this week. Take a listen to what he said on Mad Money. And uh, Jim, it does appear that it is going to open down. Uh, is this just a breather? And, and what do you make of what's happening in the market? And then I don't even I, I'm trying still even a day later. I know we talked about Bitcoin yesterday, but trying to make sense of where this is all headed. Well, look, I think it's a worldwide. Uh, we're catching it here. There's uh, need some more good news. We don't have it. We uh, still want to know about stimulus, but the variants, the vaccine variants that we're having trouble with, I think, are very much on people's minds. Uh, look, I happen to think that that Bitcoin is exciting. It's something we can talk about endlessly. They're promoters of it. There don't seem to be a lot of sellers of it. Uh, we're going to hear from PayPal and an analyst meeting coming up about how it's begun to be mainstream. But I just think that in the end, you have to have some sort of hedge on it, because if you take it and it goes down, I think that you're going to end up saying, why did I use uh, Bitcoin when I could actually transact in dollars? But as far as a way to be able to uh, have a pastiche of things that you should do your cash with, I'm all for it. I think it's almost irresponsible not to include it. Every treasurer should be going to boards of directors and saying, should we put a small portion of our cash in Bitcoin? It seems to be an interesting way to hedge against the rest of the environment. Nice hedge against fiat currency. But that's the question. Is it, is it really a hedge or is it, is it fundamentally actually tied to the quote unquote market right now? And we've seen when the market's gone down that it's gone down as well. Well, I believe in gold as a way to hedge. I believe in uh, selling calls against certain uh, stocks as a way to hedge. So I'm much more a traditional. Uh, and so I think that it's just a piece of the puzzle. Uh, I don't think a company should invest big. I mean, I think the Tesla put a lot of money in it. That was I don't have that level of conviction, but I own Bitcoin. I've owned Bitcoin for some time as an alternative. I used to always say own some gold, own some cash. Now I say own some cash, own some gold and own some Bitcoin. Uh, it's a little inflated for a day, but there's still plenty of people who think it's going to 100,000. Uh, Novogratz was on everywhere saying it's going to go to 100,000. All I know is I think it's an alternative to having a cash position where you make absolutely nothing. I just am a firm believer now more so um, than quite ever before. Uh, and and it, it gets stronger as time and time goes on the longer I stay in this space. You know, uh, when I when I first came in in 2015, uh, I was very, you know, fresh behind the ears. I, I really I thought I knew everything. I, I thought I knew a lot. And then, you know, seeing that first bull run in, in 2017, I thought I knew a lot. I, you know, I thought I knew everything. And then even going through that bear market, I thought I knew. And it's just it's you. the longer you stay in, the, 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 the stronger your conviction about Bitcoin grows. And, and it's going it's going through these cycles and it's going through these bull runs that you really start understanding that the inevitability about Bitcoin and how strong that digital asset truly is um, really makes you look at other other altcoins and, and other um, uh, projects as I'm not saying they're meaningless and I'm not saying that they have no value. They, they do and they have a purpose. 
But uh, at the end of the day, when it comes to storing your wealth and when it comes to investing, uh, the strongest thing that you can invest in right now with a, a single dollar is uh, is Satoshi's, in, in my opinion. And there are 2,600 of them for a dollar. So I hope you guys, hope you guys understand that. Okay. And uh, today we're going to be recording a birth crypto death podcast about uh, kind of investment strategies. I had a question today sent in and um, yeah, kind of want to talk about alts, kind of want to talk about Bitcoin and kind of want to talk about all that kind of stuff, especially when it comes to strategizing, you know, time horizons and stuff like that. So look for that to come out here later this evening. If you guys want to jump on that. You know, this bull run is going to be very exciting. I think we should be here at 55K by the end of the weekend. And then it's spur on, right? Come March, come the end of March specifically, 75K, right? And then from there into April and then May, potentially consensus, you'll be covering that. Then that's when all bets are on. <laughs> How fast from there do we get to 100K? But do we see a drop first before then? I think so, but we still need a callus, and that's the tricky part. See you next time.